Well, thanks for being here with us this morning. Happy New Year. I hope that uh, the Christmas season was kind to you, that you got to enjoy some good food with some, some good people and people that you love along the way. I know that uh, for myself, I was back in Calgary, and I realized very quickly that Calgary is a very cold place. It is far colder than I remembered it. And maybe that just means that I got soft by living out here and I went back. But you know what? I was very eager to come back and then enjoy the beautiful yet rainy BC weather. Uh, I think it's like when you go from one place to another, you appreciate the little things. I know everybody in BC complains about the amount of rain. I embrace the rain. I, I did 27, 28 years of, of snow. So I'm ready to make this the year of rain in my life, and I'm more than okay with that. Uh, but thanks for being here. I think this is going to be a great year for us as a community. I'm excited for all that we have in store. Specifically, this month is going to be a really good month for us. Uh, we're hosting a series called Sunshine and Shadows, and it's a conversation around mental health. And that's going to be starting next week, and we're going to have hosting three weeks of it. Uh, I'll be sharing next week, but the week after that, we're going to be doing a panel with a couple different voices to hopefully speak into some specific areas that I'm really excited about. And then the final week, we're having a mental health professional come and join us from Sanctuary Ministries. And they're going to, his name's Daniel Whitehead, and I had the opportunity to hang out with him and get to know him a little bit. And he was awesome. And the best thing about him that I know up to this point is that he has a British accent. And so that automatically makes him holier than me and probably cooler as well. But we'll let you make that decision. But uh, we're also going to be doing a Serve Sunday, hopefully sometimes toward the end of February or in March. But what that means basically is that none of this will be happening on the Sunday. Instead, we're going to be meeting somewhere. Perhaps it's here at the school or another location, and we're going to just serve our city. We're going to actually be the church and going out and loving upon the city that we get to be a part of. And we're going to make time to do that. And then, of course, community groups are happening, so it's a great way and opportunity to get plugged in. But to start off 2019, could you, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 13. We're going to John chapter 13, verse 36 to 38. If you don't have your Bible, that's all right. We've got a big screen that's going to have the scripture up there for you. Voila. Well done, team. Well done. All right, so if you read this with me, John chapter 13, verse 36 says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? So just to put a little context to the scripture, we are in the Last Supper. It's the most famous dinner in the history of mankind. Judas has just left. We have 11 disciples now taking part in this moment. And it is here that Jesus is reiterating to the group that I have not come just to live, but to die. And Jesus says to the disciples, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. Everyone say now but you will follow me afterward. Next verse. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Everyone say now. I will lay down my life for you. Next verse. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Will you really? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And it's interesting that it says truly, truly right there because in the Greek translation there isn't two words, there's just one word. But it's a word that we don't translate particularly well and so to provide emphasis for us as English readers it uses truly, truly twice as if to say I'm going to underline the next section. 
It was going to get bad before it was going to get better for Peter. But let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this morning, for all that you're doing in our midst. I pray our hearts are ready and open to receive your word and all that you have in store for us. Thank you that 2019 is your year and that you're going to be with us through it all. Uh, Help us have a good time. Pray for all the sports teams that I support. So grateful. Amen. I didn't even specify. You can make the assumption. I'm from Calgary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, what is your feeling or response to this question? Uh, what do you remember in 2018? Uh, what were some of the highlights of the year? Like, do you feel ang- like a level of anxiety to that question? Are you a little bit like confused? Do you immediately like try and like roll back? What are the actual moments that were of value in the past year? Does it make you a little bit anxious thinking that I'm about to go out into the crowd and provide a microphone to you for you to share your highlight of 2018? What, what's, what's the feeling that you have to that question? Because uh, we were celebrating New Year's. It was New Year's Day. We were having breakfast around the table. It was wonderful. And then the question got put forth, what were some of the highlights of 2018? And, and I don't think anyone particularly forgot. Maybe there was a moment of reflection in it, but there was a lot of silence post this question. This question was proposed, silence ensued, and what was the next step? Phones came out as individuals started to look through what did actually happen in my past year as we look through our photos and we get reminded of all the different things that took place. The good, the bad, the ugly, and it's amazing how the things that happen over the course of the 12 months that take place, how, how easily we forget them. How, how we are constantly guilty of, of going through that process of, of just living in the moment and then forgetting about it afterwards. And then we have this moments or moments throughout the year where we get this opportunity to remember and this opportunity to reflect. And then what's the next R that pursues that? The opportunity to set a resolution, which we all love to do, it seems, at the beginning of the year. And it's a funny thing that we, sometimes, that we seem to like, get these moments at the beginning of years as if it is this dramatic change in time when it's really just another day. But yet we've made this resolution, that we've had this resolve in our spirit and in our mind that I'm going to set something for myself moving forward. And I'm not here to bash on resolutions at all, but I think resolutions are funny things which we make fun of because of our proneness to break them. Whether it's, I'm going to read more this year. I'm going to go to the gym more often. How many of y'all have made that resolution and failed within the first week? Yes. I'm going to eat better. You know, eating better is quite possibly the most difficult one for myself. Uh, Not because I dislike good food or I am adverse to green on my plate, but because I have good intentions uh, and and I like to think that I know all of the processes of meal planning and and going to buy the right things throughout the week so that I can set myself up for the dinners that I have and then I eat well and it's better that way. Man, I am just guilty, and this is just me being honest, of being particularly lazy. I, I, I don't commit the necessary time to eat well. And there's just something about opening a box of cereal and just enjoying that 
popping an ego in the toaster, <laughs> having a whole roast chicken just sitting in the fridge that's just going to do the job for a few days. Come on. Like, I'm not the only person. Okay, if I am, so be it. This is my burden. Everyone is sinful here. <laughs> and of course, I mentioned like two of the three items were like breakfast items and and on top of that, I don't even eat breakfast because I make, the decision, I make the decision every morning that my sleep is more valuable than the time it would take to eat breakfast. Because it doesn't matter how, how early I wake up, the trade-off is sleep or food. I'm going to take sleep almost every time. And it's because I'm guilty of falling prone to, I think, what we're all guilty of. Whatever your cross is to bear in this situation, whatever your resolution is that you are consistently breaking or having a tough time actually resolving yourself to follow through on, we all are guilty of falling to the, to the detriment of instant gratification. Because I know how good it makes me feel later to eat well. And, and, and I know how it is better for my waistline. And I know that it is what I should be doing in my life. But so often I make the decision that the 20 minutes of preparing food is not worth the 24 hours of feeling good about myself, but it's better to actually just having my appetite sated in that instant moment. Instant gratification. Because aren't we funny creatures? We're, we're funny like this because I don't, uh, we are so prone to the now that I can't, I can't even spare those 20 minutes. Because are, are you like me and that you, do you shop on Amazon? And anyone do Christmas shopping on Amazon this year? And did you not buy anything unless it was prime? Right? Right? It's, it's not even an option. If it's not prime, it's not for sale. It's not going to show up tonight. You know one of the moments of greatest joy in 2018? I'll share this one with you because it was a moment of great joy. Was when I, when I found out that because we live out here in Vancouver and there is like a, a depot and a warehouse that you can order something and it's going to show up the same day here in Vancouver. Man, that blew my mind. I was so excited about it. I told everyone that it showed up the same day. I don't even remember what showed up that day. Just know, I just know that it did show up that day, and so it was a big deal. It was a big moment for me that I was able to enjoy this moment of instant gratification, but I am in some ways, and like many of us, like an addict of it. That I, I want to feel good now. I want to get what I want now. I want to have all the things that I desire in my life now. If I see it, I want it. If I, if I see it, I want to get it immediately. And we can all sit here today and we can all say, yeah, so true. We're so bad. We're so immediate. But immediate. And we'll feel bad about it for... 15 minutes, and then we'll just go back to our regular scheduled programming. Because let's be honest, nobody's going to go home after this and be like, in a practice of patience, I am not going to buy anything on Prime in 2019. That just makes no sense. <laughs> Why would you do that? So what's our recourse? 
What, what, what do we do? Are we maximizing our human experience by living for the immediate and for the now? See, I, I like the character of Peter because Peter is someone I can relate to. Uh, in a lot of ways, I, I think we all can because Peter, Peter's a now guy. Peter wants things now. Because in our passage this morning, in John chapter 13, Jesus says, now. I had you all say it. And then Peter says, now. But those are actually two different nows. Jesus says to Peter in verse 36, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. And then Peter responds, why can I not follow you now? And they could not be any more different nows. And they sound the same, but when you look up those words in the original text, Jesus, uh, John uses two different words. Jesus' now indicates a period of time or a season. It's, it's like those moments that you had as a kid where you did something wrong and then your mom or dad, they look at you and said, we're not going to deal with this now. And you know they're not going to just come and like sneak spank you in like the next five minutes. <laughs> I just made up that term. I'm sorry. <laughs> it made you uncomfortable. But you know that it's going to happen later and you're going to have to go through the rest of the night with the anxiety of knowing that that is probably on the other side. There's a period of time that was going to pass. That's what that kind of now means. Sneaks me, it's a weird word. That's why I should stick to this. <laughs> so not now. And Jesus says, you can't come with me now. And Jesus doesn't mean immediately or instantly. He means a period of time or a season. But when Peter responds, he says that I want to come with you right this very second. Peter says, I've looked, look, I've listened and I, I've learned and, and I'm strong and I'm the oldest and, and I'm the most handsome. I kind of picture Peter being that guy in the crew. And he says that I'm ready to do what needs to be done. The conditions are perfect. And Jesus says, you can't come now. Peter says, why not now? And it's like the Chris Tucker scene from Rush Hour 3 where it's like you and me. Some of you will get it. That's okay. But because their nows are completely different. And they're on completely different pages. Jesus says, you can't come with me this season. And Peter's saying, why can't I come with you immediately? And Peter is prone to live as you and I are, to live for the moment, for the instant, for the immediate, for the right now, when God is inviting us to be aware of the seasons in our life. Because there's freedom to be found in that. Because the Bible says everything, there, for everything there is a season. But the problem is, for our, our, we have this ever-present hunger for instant gratification, and we're more concerned with the immediate. And that becomes problematic when we are designed to recognize how life is meant to be 
we might be aware of seasons in our story. Now, if you're, you're a thinking person, you will say, Jason, well, there's something to being present. What about taking the day? What about living in the moment? And, and this is true because the Bible does say that tomorrow will take care of itself. Today has enough worries. Just focus about the today. But the Bible makes the assumption in those moments that when we're focusing on the moment, we're aware of the context that's around it. We're aware that God is writing a greater story in our lives, that when we are in the moment and we're fighting for these moments, and they're, whether they're good, whether they're bad, God is writing a greater narrative that we're aware of. And often our ability to enjoy the moment is predicated on our understanding of God's presence, God's influence, and God's control in the season that we're in our life. And the best way to understand the moments that we go through is to understand the context around the moment that we are in in our story. No, no wonder we struggle with being content in our lives if we're living from moment to moment. Because without context, I become a little kid sitting in the back of the car as God's driving this car forward and I'm asking over and over again, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And God's like, relax. We've got a journey to go on together. I said all these things for you. My promises for you have not changed. And we say over and over again, why, why don't I have it just yet? I want it right now. This is what you said. You said you would be true to who you are. And we almost demand this instant gratification from God. And we turn God into this vending machine that if I pray a prayer, it should come immediately. Or if I say the right words, he should come right away. Or if I put in the right things in my life, I should feel things the way that he has intended immediately. But we don't treat God as God in that scenario. We simply treat him as the byproduct of our actions. Instant gratification changes who God is in our life. And that is a dangerous place to go with God because suddenly God is no longer sacred. He's no longer of the highest authority in our lives. But we are. Because I'm making the decision. My desires come first. I'm numero uno in my story. Every bit of our story that we go through is important. And sometimes we don't recognize the, the value of the immediate because we don't see the context of the season. And this is particularly difficult in moments that are hard. Do you notice this, that we're really good at giving advice to people? Uh, and then we're really, we have a really tough time of taking that advice for ourselves. <laughs> That we know the right things to do, we know the right things to say, and then when it comes into our own situations, we seem to prolong and make things way more difficult than it should be. Because I don't think I'm saying anything particularly groundbreaking along the ideas of this struggle with instant gratification. We know that there is some, there's potential and there is beauty and there is opportunity in process in our lives. But despite the fact us knowing this, we still fall prone and we are guilty of being slaves to instant gratification. We know we should be waiting. We know we should be walking through the process. But man, it sucks and we don't want to be waiting through it all. And we want to get it right here, right now. 
And we struggle with this. Every bit of our story is of value. What you went through in 2018, whether it was good, whether it was bad, it was, it was of value. A failure, a setback, whatever you perceive it to be, a misery that we were wallowing in in 2018, in the hands of God, it was more than just that moment, it was a setup. The good, the bad, the ugly in our story in 2018 was a setup for what God has in store for us in 2019. There were certain seasons that you were in which you were fixated on moments of of hurt, of pain, of of struggle, and and you didn't know where to come out of it, and you don't know what the value was in it, and it was hard to see how Jesus was still working through it. And maybe it took more out of you than you wanted it to, or more than you would care to admit. And maybe you're going into 2019 a little bit anxious about how this next season's going to be because of how 2018 ended. Because moments were hard. But let me encourage you this morning that in this, in this story, we're going to learn this morning that it was a setup. And the moments that we share in our lives and the things that we go through, it's a setup for something so much greater in our stories because Jesus is in it. Not because you're suddenly going to have this epiphany and this revelation where it's all going to make sense because I would be lying to you if every moment of my life made sense. I feel when I reflect back on the past decade, I've done an excessive amount of school that I'm not currently using. And that's very easy to reflect upon and be like, what a waste. But the here and the now, where I'm in and what I'm doing, what I get to be a part of, I would not be the same person I am today if I did not walk through the seasons that I did then. Though it may not have exceeded or reached the expectation I had at that moment, God was still able to use and wanting to use that as a setup for the season to come. Who here uh, loves Ikea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ikea has got like that, that bonding factor. It's kind of like Disneyland where you walk in and it's like and the adults are so excited to drop the kids off of that, that little like play place and they go upstairs and it's like their spot. And they walk through the showroom and they start dreaming and they start looking around and like I can put that in that corner and that would look really good and Ikea is really smart and they strategically place those useless items that you could definitely use in your house all over the place. That like massage roller in the corner that you know would feel really good in your living room or, or that lamp that's only like $10 that everyone knows the one I'm talking about, the one that's like skinny and tall that's got all like the ribbing on it. Yeah, everyone's got that one in their house because it's the cheapest Ikea lamp. Everyone knows. It's because it's Ikea. And everyone loves Ikea. And then you pick the cabinet that you want. And you're so excited about this cabinet because you know it's going to look great in the setup that you got at home. And you go downstairs and you, you grab the box that you need so that you can take it home with you. And the, grabbing the box part is not nearly as exciting. But then you head over to the register. You get, you get it done. But you're still riding the high of like the, the showroom and the Swedish meatballs. You got that high going. And you're, you, you grab the, the box and you head home. And you get home and you sit down and the cabinet cabinet is not made yet and the toughest part of Ikea is now directly in front of you where you don't have the cabinet as you envisioned it perfectly situated in that corner of your house as you so designed 
Instead, it is a flat box that is going to require some setup. Can you imagine if, if instead of actually setting up this cabinet, this thing that you envisioned in your story, you just pulled out maybe a couple pieces just to make one drawer, and you put that where you were going to design the cabinet, and you're gonna, you just left that there, and then you tried to put everything that you had designed for that cabinet inside that single drawer, and you treated that drawer as your cabinet, but you didn't use all the other pieces that were so specifically designed, as useless as they might have seemed, as, as inconsequential as they might have been in your mind, that every page, every, every step along the way had all these little pieces, these seasons that we go through, have, have all these little pieces, these moments that we share that seem inconsequential, that we're not sure why they matter, that we're not sure why we have to go through them, but they are part of the greater story so that God can actually create something of beauty, of something of worth, something that lasts in our life. But we have to understand that every moment can be and will be used by God. Jesus sees seasons and all Peter sees is the moment. But here's the problem. We, we, live, we live in a culture where we're educated around the power of, of self. Uh, around the idea of, of seizing the moment. And we're encouraged to do what we want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. And, and for many of us, we equate doing what we want to do with being our most authentic self. But, but in this moment, Peter, by that definition, is being his most authentic self. And yet, Jesus rebukes him. Because in many ways, Peter's mindset of living in the moment didn't understand why Jesus was really there. Sure, his proposition of, I would die for you, seems noble. It seems right. But he didn't have the understanding that he really needed to deny himself first before he could do something for Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And basically what he is saying is that if we are living for our own self-fulfillment, for that self-gratification, moment to moment, we are not really following him. That when we are prideful and put our own self-interest first, we end up idolizing ourselves and other things rather than Jesus. Robert Roberts says that we have been led to believe that self is sacrosanct, meaning that God used to be that which was sacred. Now the self is. Just as in earlier times it was thought never fitting to deny God, it is now thought wrong to deny oneself. And slogans kind of abound around this. Be true to yourself, follow your heart, live in the moment, don't let anyone tell you what to do. All of this is the practice of a secular culture that believes that denying oneself is a radical idea. But if we were to be a people who are more than addicts, of instant gratification. If we're to be a people who are aware of more than ourselves, that seek 
to be more than simply a subset of culture that has strong moral tenets. Then denying ourselves is a discipline we have to apply in our lives. And at times, it is hard, takes commitment, can be difficult. And it can seem counterintuitive to doing things the way that we've always been taught to do. But when we are no longer slaves to instant gratification or of moments, and we're seeing the now as Jesus sees it, that there's a season that we're walking through where every moment has a purpose and a plan that he's orienting for the greater good around us, not just for you and for me, but for the world that we live in. What an incredible opportunity we have to actually grab hold of the love that he has as our foundation for all that we do. And there's no progress without resistance. It, it's, it's nice to say, like, be aware of the season. Don't just focus on the moment. But that is a difficult thing to do. Because when the moment is directly in front of you, it's kind of all you want to look at. You're like, I'm going to deal with this right here, right now. And I'm not saying to just separate yourself from reality. I'm not, I'm not advocating for just a mindset of simply positive thinking to overcome all that is wrong. But... We, Perhaps in our desire to actually discover and be aware of reality, we have, a, we have missed the opportunity of positivity. Perhaps positivity isn't simply avoiding reality, but it's understanding that God is present in our reality and giving him space to be so. I'm not saying to pretend that the bad things in your life and the hard moments don't happen, but embrace them and understand that God is with you in it. Understand that he's writing a greater story for you, and perhaps there was moments in 2018 that were hard and that were troublesome and that you weren't expecting and you don't know what to do with them, but what would happen if we saw them as a setup for what God is going to do in your life and in my life and in the life of City Collective in 2019? Because I believe so many of the things that we've walked through are not just simply moments that pass us by. That there's more to it. I want to encourage you this morning that we are a part of something that's actually being set up for something greater. I believe that 2019 is our season at City Collective. I believe we have this incredible opportunity as individuals and as a community to lean into all that Jesus is, to have the opportunity to create space for our neighbors, for our family, for our friends, for our coworkers, for our students, wherever and whoever we come across to come into this place and come to know the ever-changing, unconditional, unexplainable grace and love of Jesus. And that... That in itself is enough. But in 2018, we saw so many different people who got to meet each other for the first time that are now doing life together at the end of 2018. They've known each other for maybe six months and now call each other friends and family. That is a setup. We had over $200,000 come in to build a foundation to get us off the ground here at City Collective and make this happen. And we got an opportunity to be generous in and through that. That is a setup. 
We had the opportunity to, to adopt a street, to serve a school, to build a relationship with a school that had a reputation for being the spot where nobody wanted to go to. That nobody, nothing good comes out of H.D. Stafford. And we get the opportunity of being part of flipping that narrative. That is a setup. And every single one of those stories is a setup that you are a part of just by sitting here, here, right now. So if God is able to do so much with so little and create space for you and I to discover him and come to know him, can you imagine what he's doing in the midst of your own story? Those moments that didn't make sense, those moments that were hard, those moments that were great, those moments that are worth celebrating, how it all comes together to paint a greater story that Jesus is with you and that is just a setup for what he's going to do in your life in 2019. And I'm not going to try and be up here and, and, and be prophetic and say specifically what it is that you are going to have happen. All I know is that the love of Jesus as your foundation and the grace that he has for your life is more than enough to sustain you through every moment and to push you through every season and to paint a story that is worth writing home about. It's worth telling other people about. And when we look back at the scripture in John chapter 13, that sequence with Peter, it, it was a setup because it wasn't the last time that Jesus and Peter had a conversation. We fast forward to John tw chapter 21, and, and Jesus is, is on the beach. The Peter and his boys, they've kind of gone back. This is post-resurrection. They're out fishing on their boat, and they see Jesus on the beach in the distance, and Peter thinks it's Jesus, and he, and he hops out of his boat, and he swims to the beach Soaking wet, he recognizes Jesus and he sits down for a meal and Jesus kind of makes him this like dairy-free, gluten-free, amazing breakfast for Peter and the disciples and they sit down at the fire and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? But, but the Peter in John chapter 13 isn't the same Peter in John chapter 21. He, he, he's a little more timid. He's gone through some things. He's had a little bit of a process. There's been moments that have been hard. And he responds a little more timid and he says, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I love you. He's not the same Peter yelling, I'll die for you. He says, yeah, yeah, I, I love you. And he's soaking wet and Jesus asks again, he says, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, yeah, I love you. And Peter, from John chapter 13, probably would have been really absolute and really sure and, and really excited about this opportunity to tell Jesus how much he loves him. But there's a change in this man. There's moments that have taken place. And, and the sequence from John chapter 13, the challenge that was given, the denials that took place, and then this conversation on the beach was all a setup because Jesus asked one more time, he says, do you love me? And Peter's response is, you know. You know all things. You know I love you. And instead of placing the power and the strength in himself and saying that I will die for you, he recognizes that Jesus is God in that moment. He says that you know that I love you. And Jesus doesn't respond with a question. 
It now responds with a prompt. He says, feed my sheep. And he gives them purpose. Because every moment of struggle, every moment of denial, every moment of hurt, because you can imagine all those moments that took place leading up to that beach sequence where it was hard and it was, it was, it was hurtful and you can imagine the struggle that he would have gone through. But they were necessary to prepare him to be what Jesus wanted him to be. That it wasn't just a moment to forget and to move on from, but it was a moment that taught him something. So what would happen in our stories if we actually reflected and remembered moments that were hard? Moments that were good, and we use them to learn, to listen, to pay attention to the greater story that's being written for each and every one of us. That even when we perceive God is absent, it's not actually that He's abandoned us. That even when moments are, are hard, it's not that they're impossible. Even when moments are great, it's not just purely our own doing, but that in every moment Jesus is with us, and he's for us, and he has a purpose and a plan for our lives that is beyond our understanding that the moment might not reflect, but the story is going to tell. Let's pray. So wherever you find yourself in your story this morning, whether you think that you're Peter in John chapter 13, where you feel a little bit bold, like your time is now, that this is your season, and then you keep on feeling as if God is leading you to this place of no, not yet. This isn't your time. This isn't the moment for you. Patience. Learn. Listen. Pause. Or perhaps you're in John chapter 21, and you're like, I've gone through some stuff. It was a hard year, and I am changed because of it. Perhaps the foundation that you just need to hold on to right now is the simple fact that you are loved desperately, pursued constantly, and known absolutely by this person, by this Savior, Jesus. I don't just want moments for each one of us that are exceptional. I, w- I want this, to, I want my passion for this community is that we would be one that lasts. That it wouldn't be we had a great launch Sunday on a video to prove it and it was cool and it happened and now we're done. No, no, I want to be 20, 30, 40 years of story of people coming together to discover life in Jesus in this beautiful narrative where every moment maybe didn't make sense, but every season led us to this place where Jesus was present and was moving. What an incredible gift we are given to have a Savior that wants to walk with us. That is ever-present in our lives. So Jesus, I thank you for this morning, for every person that's here, for the moments that were shared and the moments that were hard and the moments that were great, we say thank you. 
I pray that we are more than a people who are consumed by this, this need for instant gratification. That we become more than culture tells us to be. And that we learn, learn to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you. To look for you in every moment of every day, sensing opportunities to love and to, to be as you would be to those who are having a hard moment. I just pray that you would lift up the head of the brokenhearted. Give strength to the weary. Give hope to the hopeless. Peace to the restless. And joy to the hurting. Do what only you can do in our lives with every single moment, but help us to discover that you are with us. We're so grateful. Jesus, do something new for us in 2019. I commit this year to you and every person that's in it. We want to know you more. In your name we pray. Amen.